0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. For one, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Welcome to Groove with Portia, a weekly conversation for your personal and professional growth. Here's your host, Portia Booker. Hey, listeners, welcome to Groove with Portia. I'm your host, Portia Booker, and yes, this is my real name. So question for you, did you bring your curious mind today? If so, I don't want to keep you waiting. Let's dive in. I learn the most when I'm being still. And after my television career came to an end, I made a choice to either prioritize my mental health or return right to the industry right away. I took a chance on my mental well-being, and that was the best decision I ever made. So question for my listeners today. When life forced you to take a seat and reflect, how did you handle it? Let that sink in. So today I am joined by an executive coach who found herself on the stage of redundancy, not once, but twice. After spending several months on the couch, binge watching Netflix, she dug out her old notebooks from her first time of being quote unquote, laid off or unemployed and made a commitment to create the life of her dreams. Now she helps loyal, dedicated employees with longevity invest in their career make an easier transition to their next calling in life. So without further delay, welcome to Grew with Portia, the executive coach herself, Ms. Jane Ferrey. How are you doing today, Jane?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Portia. I'm so excited to be here. You and me both. We got a lot to talk
1: about. And Jane, first starters, I love to start my conversations with
0: gratitude. What are you grateful for today? Do you know what? I am grateful that England, the England women's team won the Euros 2022 a few days ago. And this is going to be a huge catalyst for changing how people see women's sports here in the UK. I'm so excited for what is coming next.
1: Well, congrats. I mean, you're right because sports is, even though I'm in the States, it's still heavily a dominated arena with men, whether it's football, basketball, anything, even sports that are mostly known for women to be more of the, have the athletic advantage. It's still overshadowed by men. So congrats, Jane. I'm happy to hear that.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited. I mean, I know in the US football or soccer as you call it is much more of a women's game whereas in the UK it's much more of a men's game and you know it was never an option for me at school you know I had to play all the girls sports you know football wasn't even on the table so this is you know mine I have nieces I don't have children I have nieces and I have a niece who was you know told she wasn't allowed to play football and um, this is just like, I was so angry on her behalf. So now this is just, it's going to just explode here. So I'm so excited for that. And, and congratulations to the the women's team. You did amazing.
1: Yes. And you know, Jane, that's funny you bring that up because I don't think about the fact that in other places around the world, you know, that privilege of being able to participate in a quote unquote male driven sport, like there have been some women here in the states that have been part of the NFL. They've been, you know, sideline referees. Some of them have been kickers. So, like, you know, to think about the fact that in other parts of the world, that eligibility or privilege is not given to women. It's still Mm -hmm. that. I guess you can say double standard where women are considered to be very dainty, very frail and no, you can't get your hands dirty. No, you can't (laughs) dig in the mud. No, you can't throw farther than a guy. I get it. Cause I grew up a tomboy. I have always played all the sports. My favorite is basketball since I was little. (laughs) Love basketball. (laughs) Me too. And I can watch it just as long as I can play it. So like, I'm with you, Jane. I love to see that change in the world where the the arena is given an even playing field on both ends, whether you're a man or woman. You know, if a guy wants to be a cheerleader, let him. I mean, if a woman wants to be a linebacker, let her. I mean, what difference does it make? It's all fun and games. You know, I know some people get really competitive, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I and I am one I will be honest I am somebody who gets heavily competitive in the sports arena if I'm playing basketball outside and I feel as though I am losing oh I'm putting Porsche's game face on like <laughs> Jane, what was your favorite sport growing up is it basketball or what did you play often when you were growing up
0: uh so I played um I played netball which I don't think I'm not sure if you guys have it in the US so it's a it's like it's only really played by women and and it's only now starting to come on TV which is a crazy thing um, and then in the I played hockey so I think field hockey okay. not ice hockey and um, in the summer we play tennis so hockey is a winter sport even though it's outside it's a, and then tennis in the summer and um, and I did the athletics, not the running stuff, but the throwing stuff. So I was the discus, the shot put, the javelin. I couldn't run for toffee. And I am really not a good runner right now.
1: either. <laughs> you know, Jay, it's funny you bring up running. I remember when I was in high school, XYZ years ago, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> the years don't matter. <laughs> You're right, right. It's like, what's my age again? That's on my blink 182. What's my age again? <laughs> but <laughs> I remember in high school, how I used to watch other people, whether they were on the track team, basketball, cheerleaders, football, etc. And I was shy. I didn't think I was good enough to participate in sports in a big way like that, even in high school. So I often just resulted to playing sports with my cousins and my brothers, whether it was kickball, football, basketball in the backyard. But now, X, Y, Z years later, (laughs) I find, (laughs) I guess this is my like solar return is what my doctors say. I find myself feeling more athletic. This year alone, I've already run two 5Ks this year. And
0: Ooh,
1: it's, it's <laughs> a wonderful feeling. And it's like, where was this XYZ years ago when I wanted I, to yeah. actually participate? <laughs> but I guess it's making up for that lost time. And and Jane, how would you say that your Entry into the sports arena in, at a young age, whether it was for tennis or hockey, et cetera, has helped you in your career and in your life to advance.
0: I think for me there's there's kind of two things. So I went to an all-girls school, so there was no there was no boys there. Um it sounds like it's like St. Trinian's or something. It was it's um it was it's just the British school system. So I went to an all-girls school, so I was kind of surrounded by by girls. I didn't have to I see like young girls nowadays in this sort of mixed arena, and I just think, thank God I didn't have to like do all that stuff and in front of the boys, you know, like the makeup and all that crap. But I think the the sport thing is, it just enables you to excel in in a different kind of arena. So it's not necessarily all about the academic world because you know the you know just because you get you know ten out of ten in a test or eighty five percent in an exam doesn't mean you're going to be great in the world of work or the next stage, whatever that is, or in business. But the the sports stuff just really helps you, I think, to get rid of a load of aggression helps you to train and to commit to something and just to show up every week or, you know, whatever it is for the training and then for the matches. And then it's just this teamwork thing. So it's like, it doesn't, you know, it's about, you know, you might be able like, take the soccer example, you might be able to score the goal. But actually, your, your teammate is in a much better position. So maybe you've got an 80% chance, they've got a 90% chance. It's like pass the ball to them and let them score rather than trying to take this glory for yourself. So I think it's that kind of teamwork, it's that tenacity, it's that kind of spot on the wall that you can work your way towards, I think. So whether that's you know a championship or a you know a competition or a tournament or running a 5k, you know, I just Um, earlier this year I did a couch to 5k the program and I did it and then I got COVID and since I got COVID I've just been like oh I can't move off my sofa so (laughs) it's like I really like need to get back into it because you know the next stage was to do a 10k but that's just so far away but it's it's like I've got the I've got the I've got the formula I know how to do it I just start at week you know I don't have to start week one I can start at week four and and just following the program and it will get me to that goal it will get me to running a 5k without stopping you know which you know it's fine some of that weight will drop off it will be okay I just know I just know the recipe and it's like baking a cake you know the recipe you know what to do you just follow the formula and it will happen and I think that's that's what kind of sports can give anyone now regardless of what the sport is. And Jay I love how
1: you hinted on that sense of commitment because think about it when you're enrolled in some type of sports team you gotta show up you have to practice you're held accountable to Mm -hmm. live up to your performance whatever role you take within that sports team And then it also gives you that brother or sisterhood. So it's almost kind of in a way like your intro into the business world or in a career, right? Teaching you how to work with teams, teaching you how to hold yourself to a higher standard, teaching yourself discipline, right? Because when you're disciplined in a sport, you have to practice, you have to study, you have to ask for help, And, you know, sometimes that can be uncomfortable, especially when we become adults, once we pass the high school stage, and we're into the (laughs) early days of college, and that (laughs) we reach kind of that age or level in life where we're like, okay, we have to figure it out on our own. But I feel like sports reinforce that notion of we're a continuous well or wheel of learning, you know, yeah. kind of like when you watch those shows, like the wheel of fortune, when they spin the little wheel and it goes <laughs> around and it stops at different, you know, whether it's $300, 5,000, a million, it's almost the same principle to life. We make yeah. different stops in our wheel, our, our journey wheel to wherever we're trying to go. And those stops. Like what I had mentioned in the beginning, help us to take time to reflect rest and then revisit and reevaluate where we kind of
0: fell off the bandwagon (laughs) (laughs) and it's and it's so interesting especially with like team sports as well it's it's the stuff everything that you spoke about, that commitment, that showing up, that practicing, it's also the stuff that nobody sees you doing, right? So it's the stuff, it's like, what are you putting in your mouth in terms of nutrition? How are you feed? How are you nourishing your body? How are you feeding your body? Because that's part of that plan. Are you going out and getting completely wasted on a Saturday night and turning up, you know, in a suboptimal way, you'll, you know, that's you know that you're letting down your team you're kind of letting yourself down if we want to go down that parental route but you are let if you're not showing up as 100% bringing your whole you know self to the game to the practice whatever it is then you're letting down your teammates and you're going to get a suboptimal performance.
1: Exactly 100% you know it's I think, Jane, we need to almost like reinforce when we become a certain age to get involved (laughs) in a sport to keep us in that energy of accountability, energy of support and energy of the continuous learning cycle, because if we have that teachable spirit or teachable well open, then we'll always be full of new ideas, new endeavors instead of reaching that couch of, (laughs) oh, life has hit me. I have to sit here for a period of time forever for some people instead of embarking on their next endeavor, whatever that may be. But we're going to take another quick break right here on group Porsche. Everybody stick with us. We will be right back. Welcome back right here on Grew with Portia. I'm doing remotely with Jane Ferrer. And we're just having a great conversation about the importance of sports and learning. Jane, you know, many places right now are currently experiencing or heading towards some form of a recession. Now, this might have some individuals concerned about their job and their career. And so, Jane, when people are considering a change in their career, what personal values should they keep in mind?
0: I think it's, this is a good time to revisit what your personal values are. Because whenever I work with someone one-on-one, the very first thing that I get people to do is an exercise that I've got that, that gets them to revisit their values. Because if you've ever asked somebody what their values are, they'll either tell you what they think you want to know, or they'll just they'll just kind of come up with some words that might have been true, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. But the the challenge that I put to my clients in a supportive way is, let's, you know, what is important to you right now? And these, your values can change over time. You know, things happen to us in life, good and bad. You know, we, we have children, we get married, we lose friends, we, you know, we might change, um, you know, we might lose parents. We might change uh, location, countries, whatever. The things that are important to us, are you know, do change. And and very often people don't look at that, or they haven't looked at that in a while. So they're not hundred percent clear on what their personal values are, what's really important to them. Um, and then another way that I ask my clients is, you know, what really grinds your gears? Because if it's grinding your gears annoying you whatever it's because it's generally at odds with your personal values so to give you a really simple um example you know punctuality is really important to me so when people are late for stuff it grinds my gears (laughs) because punctuality is important time is money it's about respect and, and all of those kind of things so it's almost like what are the things that are really annoying you because that will give you another indication about what your values are. But that's the foundation, I think, for any kind of job search or change in career or, you know, making a big life decision, whether you're going to, you know, change countries, which, you know, what I've been considering at the moment. So it's, it's, it's really important to just go back to basics. So Jane, let's walk through this exercise. When people, when you
1: ask them, what are their personal values? Do they often meet you with, I'll say for me, one of my values, just like you, I'm big on punctuality. I'm also big on transparency is another one. I'm also very big on even, even currently now with what I'm going through after the passing of my mom. You know, I'm also very big on teamwork. I'm also very big on opportunities for all people so what would you say Jane are common quote-unquote personal values that people say that really might not be for the
0: now um I think yeah, a lot of the things that people come up with is a sort of honesty integrity um you know family is huge right now and 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 that can mean different things to different people so it's like so so let's delve deeper into that like what does family mean to you? Because, you know, my, my family are 200 miles away. And um, my husband's family is 6000 miles away. You know? <laughs> so it's like, so what does that mean? Do I need my family around me? Do I need to connect with them in some way? It's like that, that can drive that behavior, you know, some husband has a call with his dad every Saturday morning at 930. And that's his way of connecting, you know, with his family, you know, with my family, it's a bit more ad hoc, it, it kind of you know, is there? And you know, my my mom was ill. You know, earlier on in this year, so it's like, okay, we're going to drop everything and drive up there and you know, get, sort her out. You know, she's 87 now. She's she needs some kind of help in that. So it's it's really about you know the the people sort of might have the word, but it's like, okay, well, let's explore that a little bit further as well. And actually, what else is important to you? Which is why the exercise that I have just opposite a. Uh, a few different words that they might not have considered and it's almost about prioritizing them and I always say you know there's you can have maximum seven because if you have more than seven it's like priorities you know if you've got 10 priorities you've got no priorities right <laughs> so you know if you can narrow it down to five even better
1: oh 100 percent and Jane I love what you used about the example of family and you're 100% right. That stems a lot deeper than just the word, right? I mean, obviously, mm. you mentioned your husband's side of the family is 6,000 miles away versus your family is roughly 200. So it's that closeness and proximity. But obviously, with both of you being a joint household, you have to kind of narrow that into or wiggle that into your algorithm of life, yeah. right? especially just hypothetically you mentioned you don't have any kids but consider if you did like how would that work how would the grandparents get to visit with the kids how would that factor into my work-life balance
0: per se and how do you so so again proximity what does that mean is that a geographical proximity is it about creating a connection which you know Look, look, at how we're talking right now. You know, we're, you know, we're not close geographically, but we're, you know, we've created a connection. So it's like, so, you know, what, again, it's like, let's delve a little bit deeper. So what does that mean? Because that will then drive your behaviors. So if it's, I don't know, you know, if, uh, my husband's grandma passed away recently, and I'd say to him, you know, she can't, she couldn't see very well. Uh, she couldn't, you know, get on the phone that easily and it's like send her postcards like when we were you know out somewhere it's like send you know your grandma a postcard let her know you're thinking of her because she can look at those when you're not there and that's that's really important to her so it's about how do you you know even that one word the you know proximity can mean different things in terms of your actions and creating that with different family members so it's just really kind of just hitting the pause button on life and just going deep a little bit on yourself, just figuring out what it is that you need. And Jane, really quick
1: question. What did it take for you to really go deep for yourself when you face that moment of, okay, I'm sitting here on the couch because my current employer, my high paying job laid me off and now, I'm at square one per se. What did you say? What would you say it took for you to unpack some of those things and really narrow down? okay, I'm gonna make this pivot now that I'm taking a moment to be still
0: and reflect? I think it's just so for me that the the, I kind of joke about you know sitting on the sofa and and watching Netflix, which I, I did do, but it's that's that's all that's for me the morning process. It's just that. You know, it was the middle of it was just before Christmas over here in the UK. It's dark by four o'clock. It's it's just so depressing. and And it's just me going into this little cave, you know, of like sitting on the sofa, just being comfortable and just grieving and mourning the loss of my job and my status and my position and my salary and and all the other stuff. I needed to do that. And then, you know, after Christmas, I kind of came back and I actually started working with someone because what I found is my family and my friends are amazing. They want the best for me. But when you start to have conversations, they will subconsciously try and influence you in a certain kind of way. I actually went back and started working with the coach that I'd worked when I'd left my first organization. So at the time she was in training. So we were in the same Facebook group. She was doing a training. I was her case study. We worked together. When my second redundancy came around, I went back to her now as a paying client and because I just wanted to have somebody who was going to ask me the tough questions that I knew I didn't really want to answer but I knew I needed to answer and I knew that couldn't be somebody who was connected with me you know as a as a family or a friend I knew it was it needed to be someone who was a bit detached from my situation who had no skin in the game in terms of what I wanted to do next and who would really just listen and hold up the mirror I think that that's that's the the brilliant thing about getting to work with somebody who's completely outside of your scenario it's uncomfortable but that's where the magic happens when you're in your outside of your comfort zone being honest being vulnerable you know talking about how scared you are to start your business what if it all fails and it's like okay so what if it all fails what's the worst thing that can happen and it's like the worst thing that can happen is I'm going to get a job you know that's it but actually, what's, but what's the best thing that could happen? So we'd never ask ourselves that question. If you did this really scary thing, what's the best thing that could happen at the end of it? And, and again, that, that sort of working with that external person in that safe space can just really help you to just be honest with yourself.
1: And Jake, thank you for sharing that because I know that there's so many people who are currently in that boat right now, they're either have one foot already out the door, but they (laughs) don't have their foot into another arena of some sort. And they need that push from that external third party view that says, Hey, these are the things you need to take into account. If you want to go up the ladder, whether it's in corporate or like you starting your own business And Jane, how did you learn to embrace the uncomfortable with a comfortable hug?
0: I think it was something that I'd always done in my corporate life. So even so I worked at British Airways for almost 20 years. And and when I say that people sort of like gasp and and then I caveat that with, but I changed jobs every two to three years because it was it's for me, I wanted to. Do bigger and better jobs. It was the only way to earn more money. On one hand, but also I was I kind of crave learning, and I just think when you step up, when you step, when you start to work on different projects, when you start to work with different people, you've almost got to reset because you've you there. You might have a reputation within the organization, but actually, you've got to work to demonstrate kind of what you can bring to something. So I think I'd always I'm maybe starting a few steps ahead of other people because I also recognize that if I stayed in British Airways, I was going to become that miserable 50 year old, some 50 something year old in the corner who's complaining. We've seen it all before. We did this 10 years ago because I was starting to do that already. And I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be Karen from finance. Who's whinging in the corner. Right. I don't want to be her. And it's just like, I just, okay, I need to take myself out of this situation because it's, it's not going to be good for me. And, and, and I'm not growing in this situation right now so that kind of helped me to move I think so having sort of operating from that space I think was for me was an advantage because it I was used to being uncomfortable I was used to stepping out of my comfort zone quite frequently so it was kind of easier but it's always tough always tough
1: and I think you hit the nail on the head Jane when you talked about what really
0: grinds your gears, right? And Karen you- from finance, sitting in the corner being miserable, grinds my gears. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. You, when you see that example right in front of you, <laughs> and you're like, "I don't want to be like that." That yeah. is the the pivotal moment where yeah. you have that choice. That's that limbo period that I was bringing up, where you can either be another karen from finance and be <laughs> ornery, cantankerous, bitter or you can take karen and be like okay, i'm going on an adventure. i'm going to do some soul searching. i'm going to do something different than the common algorithm that karen continues to fall
0: in. but yeah. i <laughs> cuz she's spiraling I- downwards. it's that yeah. thing of like, you know, it's like breaking the cycle and and misery loves company, right? You're in this cycle of misery and then you find the other people who are in the same position and you start whinging and moaning and it's like, it's really hard to get out of that. And it's like, I, I was dipping my toe in that space and it was like, no, 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 that's I don't want to be there. That's not, it's, it's kind of great for a moment to just vent, but that's not where I want to be long-term and I need to get myself out.
1: Ooh, misery loves company. That's one of my favorite phrases and that's why <laughs> I try to steer clear of it. Like the bubonic plague. But on that <clears throat> note, we are going to take another quick break right here on Group Porsche. Everybody, stick with us. We will be right back. Everybody. Welcome back right here on Group of Porsche. I'm Dora Motley with Jane Ferran. And we we're just having a great conversation, of course, about your personal values and how to not land in the seat of being the Karen from finance who is still miserable. <laughs> and so, Jane, let's talk about the target market in the job search. How does someone find clarity in that? How do they determine like what their target market is? Should they take into account the industry they want to work in maybe the size the location or even
0: the work culture can you elaborate more on that Jane yeah so I think I think what people need to realize when they're in the job market is that you are now a product that you need to market right so so it's like flip it on its head it's like who is going to buy you so if you know I don't know you're Unilever and you come up with it you're coming up with a new kind of washing powder it's like who's going to buy this washing powder you know like what sort of you know what type of people are they where do they live what do they believe in so you have to do the same thing for yourself because this will really help you in terms of narrowing down your search so you're not scattergunning your applications everywhere and it's also going to help your network as well because if your network is knows exactly what it is that you're looking for then when you talk to them and reach out to them, they can help you more easily. Whereas if you'll say, Oh, I don't know, I'm looking for anything. That's just so like, okay, you've just made the job hard for me now. So get clear in four areas. So the first is like the industry that you want to work with. So I was in aviation for for 20 years, I love the aviation industry. But I my passion was always hospitality. So hospitality, restaurants, food, and there's like a overlap with the onboard experience in an an airline um, which which is kind of fed that desire in me Um, but that was the thing for me I really wanted to move into hospitality because I just love it people in hospitality is so much fun Um, you have great parties and um, it's I don't know it's just something about being in an industry that creates magic for people that you know it, it is a is a fun place to be so that was kind of on my list it was that kind of um, hospitality um, so that could include things like contract catering it could include events it could include restaurants it could include fast food so so it's a, sort of a, a a big starting point that I could narrow down a bit the next thing to think about is, the size of the business right so I worked at BA for 20 years 40,000 people all over the world it's a huge organization and the great thing about that is there's always that's probably why I stayed there 20 years there's always loads of people to meet right but also you're just like a small fish in a huge pond that if you disappeared overnight nobody would kind of know And I wanted to flip that. I wanted a different experience. So I wanted to work for a smaller organization because what frustrated me about that corporate, the the BA corporation, is it took so long to get stuff done. It took so long to get decisions made. I was that drove me, it grinds my gears. It drove me crazy. So it's like, I don't want that again. I want to work somewhere smaller where I'm kind of closer to the sort of decision makers and the power and the, like, let's just get stuff done. So that was for me. It was like, I want to work in a in a smaller organization. And if you can put a number on that, the better. Um, and then think about location. Now, this is an interesting one, like in um, certainly since 2020, I live just outside London, like near Heathrow Airport. I really wanted to do the central London thing. So even though it took me 90 minutes each way on my commute, I really wanted to work in central London because it's just got this energy. It's just got this buzz. I I worked in Paris before then. I used to love taking the train because I would read so many books. Listen, now you can listen to podcasts as well, which is you know how I'd fill my commuting time. so it's just like, I want to work in central London. I don't want to get in my car. I just want to get on the bus and then on two tubes and 90 minutes later, get into my office. That's what I want to do. So that was for me, my location. But think about your time. So how much time do you want to spend commuting? So, you know, because people will go, oh, it's 20 miles from me. It's like, okay, so 20 miles in London. It, it can be two hours trip. right? It can be two hours journey. Or is it, you know, if you live in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's, you know, a friend of mine lives in Kent, which is, you know, down the Southeast part of the UK. It's one side is C it's the English channel. So it's, you know, she has to have at least 30 minutes commute and it's in a car because she can't get a bus from anywhere where she lives. It's the middle of nowhere, literally. Um, so there's a bit of realism, and then there's a bit of what is it you want to do? so i I didn't want to drive, I wanted to get on the transport. I wanted to sit and listen to podcasts, read my book. so so think about the time of your commute. and now I think it's really important that like do you want to work at home or not a few days a week or like do you want to work across multiple locations so the brilliant thing for me about when i went to work at leon is there was restaurants all over london so i could be in a different part of london every day i could be in three or four different restaurants a day so it was i quite liked that being on the move thing so that was really important to me as well and and then thinking about like the organizational culture so i talked about you know the size size can determine that a lot so size You know, for me, the culture about, you know, having ownership of my department, having ownership of my people, having um, the ability to do what I want within reason with my team, uh, get decisions made quickly. Um, I wanted to be in an organization that was cheerful and happy, you know, like that kind of culture, quite a young culture as well, which is exactly where I ended up. So it's almost this thing of if you get clear on what you want, that will help you. It will help you figure out to figure out where to target your energy.
1: Oh, 100%. And Jane, I want to go back to something that you mentioned just now about the culture, right? What's maybe the best way for someone to gather information about the culture of an organization? Because let's be honest, that to me is somewhat of a personal value, right? Because you want to go into a culture that is welcoming open to new ideas not part of what i call the stagnant maggot crew where it takes yeah. 90 years to get one thing fixed so yeah. jen can you elaborate on that what's the best way for someone to get maybe gather information about the culture of an organization
0: so you've really got to do your due diligence on this so there's there's a myriad of different ways so if you know people who work there then just you know, ask them if they can, you know, we'll spare 10 minutes. Even better, if you can go and visit them in the place of work, in their offices or whatever, because you will get a feel for an organization. So, when I was interviewing, when I left BA1, I went to interview with a very large hotel organization. So, that was that bit of the hospitality bit. In the end, it, was, it, was, it wasn't right uh, for me. But when I walked through the doors of their head office, I knew I was I was entering into a business that treated their people in the same way that they treat their guests in in their hotels, and you know, and I had I think I went in there three times, and it, you know, the second and third time it's like, oh, welcome back, Jane, nice to see you again. How are you? You know, please take a seat. The way I was treated, that that kind of chain of service tells a lot about the place how the receptionist greets you tells you a lot about the the culture of an organization and then just people nowadays they they you know you arrive 10 minutes early for your interview and they sit there on their phone it's like put your phone away and just look observe watch how are people interacting with each other you know when i interviewed at leon restaurants i was interviewed in restaurants and i and i Before I went, I visited uh, six restaurants in a day just as part of my kind of market research. And I started out with breakfast (laughs) in one place. I kind of ate my way around London and I picked and I just, you know, sat there with headphones on that made. But I wasn't actually listening to anything apart from them. Um, And I picked up so much about the business because they were talking about they were going out to this party. And, then uh, you know, it was you just got a sense of how the business operates, you know, and, and especially especially during the sort of busy lunch period, I was just watching how they were interacting with each other, how they're interacting with the customer. And that kind of stems from the tops. So that t- tells you a whole lot about that. You know, go on LinkedIn, follow their company page. What sort of things are they posting about? Um, go and look on, this is a controversial one, look on Glassdoor. I would say with a pinch of salt because... You get a lot of people that go and write a review on Glassdoor, but actually what are the types of words that they're using? And actually that's a great thing to bring up in interview, you know, your Glassdoor, you know, this is, these are the words that are coming up, you know, leadership, you know, accountability or, you know, whatever it is. How are you tackling that? You know, use it to your advantage. So there's loads of different ways that you, that you can find out, but the best thing is to put yourself into the business if you can. So interviews, a great way to do that. Just grabbing a coffee with someone in their space. Great way to do that. Forget Zoom at that point, go into the business if you can.
1: And I love that you brought up about reviews as far as Glassdoor, Indeed, some of these bigger platforms that allow potential job seekers to get a inside view per se of a company and even also their their Facebook and their their yeah. Google reviews also. I mean that's something to really consider especially now since a lot of companies are offering hybrid work or also remote. And you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I never even thought of that to even incorporate that as a question during the interview process as far as their culture. and 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 that's a very accurate
0: description what what do you want to add to that jane yeah i mean i was just the thing that i always ask about values is are they lived or are they laminated so certainly organizational values so it's like okay so you say that um you know i i worked for disney that was my very first job when i when i left um university over in paris and right, even to this day, it was safety, courtesy, show, and efficiency, though in that order. And I I know that so many years later, because it was ingrained in us, and it was ingrained in everything that we did. So that's a good question also to ask an interview. It's like, okay, so you state that your organizational values are X, Y, and Z. How do you, as, how do you, so you can direct this to the person, how do you, as a leader, live these values every day and how does the organization live these values every day those are great questions their response will tell you everything you need to know
1: oh yeah 100% because you need to I mean when you're obviously interviewing you're trying to match the right shoe for your feet so you don't have time for your feet to be hurting if you could have found out that the shoe already had a nail in it that you can see right exactly. <laughs> like know-
0: cinderella <laughs> just to carry on the disney analogy <laughs> it's like and people forget that it's like an interview is not the organization interviewing you it's also you interviewing the organization so it's like it's not a one-way street it's it's you know it it, 10 years ago it was and and BA was terrible at this because it was a very arrogant organization and it was almost an interview we'd be like so why should we hire you and it's like well why don't you tell me why I should pick you because I've got three offers on the table right now you know and it's like have the to just ask that question. To be bold, be bold, because it's a it's an employee ease market right now.
1: Hundred percent,
0: hundred percent, couldn't
1: disagree with that at all, Jane. You're right, because people who are looking for their dream can more than likely land it a lot quicker today than they could a year or two ago. And so we're going to take another quick break right here on Group Porsche. Everybody, stick with us. We will be right back. Welcome back right here on Google, Portia. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving our listeners so much food for thought and wisdom as they embark on their new thought pattern to land their dream job or excel or add more skills to their resume. And Jane, if our listeners were interested in connecting with you, is there a social media handle
0: or website you can share with us today? Sure. There's two places. LinkedIn is my social media platform of choice. So it's just my name. It's Jane Ferre, which is F-E-R-R-E. And my website as well. That's my name, janeferre.com. I like to keep it simple. Hey, use the KISS method every single
1: day that you can, right? (laughs) Keep it simple, stupid, or keep it simple, Simon, whatever you want to (laughs) use. So Jane, you know, employees are often given little recognitions, whether it's a a thank you for helping me by letting me borrow your pen or some other type of little thing. And so Jane, what's the best way to use the STAR method to track your achievements?
0: So I would say, don't leave this until you're in that situation where you need to find yourself a job. Keep an ongoing library of examples of what you have done. And the, if you're looking, if you are starting at zero, that's okay. Just like the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. So if you're starting at zero, what, where do you start with? The easiest thing to do is go back through your performance reviews because you, when you're in your performance review, particularly if it's if that triggers a bonus of some kind, you've already done this. You've already gone through year by year and shown what it is that you have delivered that has driven value for the organization. So keep all of those and turn those into really quick examples. And I I always say, get these out on paper um, and finish it with the R for the result. And if you can put a number on this, all the better, I work with a lot of HR people, they struggle with the numbers, but there's, it, sometimes HR people have to go one or two levels down because they, their work impacts you know, turnover, um, absence figures, or actually money in the bank at the end of the day. So get all your stuff together in a library and keep adding to that year on year. That, that's what I would say. Super, super simple.
1: couldn't disagree with that at all I mean it's better to track it early than to try to when you're in that room of opportunity to ask for a raise or a salary negotiation you're like dur 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 so may as well (laughs) just go ahead and and add to the list early and Jane for our listeners who are tuning in let's talk about networking really quick because that is in in sometimes a gray area for a lot of people and they don't really know how to utilize networking to their advantage to land them into the opportunities that they desire. And so Jane, maybe you can elaborate, what are some common misconceptions about networking that people may have? And what's a hidden secret that people don't know about networking?
0: So the thing that grinds my gears about networking (laughs) is uh, people approach it with what can you do for me? And I would always say to my clients, flip it, because it's all, you have this emotional bank account with people, with everybody that you meet, right? So if you have not made any deposits in this emotional bank account, if you take a withdrawal, you're overdrawn already. So instead of going to networking events with a kind of what, who can whose business card can I get, go with the idea of let me find two people that i can help whether that's a connection or sending them an article or i don't i don't know what it is you know figure figure out something go in with that attitude because then you'll start to open up the door for you but also get really clear again building a network is like you need to build your network when you don't need it so that it's in place when you do so it's almost so like when i was found myself in the job market for the first time in a long time, my balance in my emotional bank account was huge because I had always made a point of connecting with everybody. This is where LinkedIn is brilliant. Go to a networking event, a training event, whatever it is, connect with everybody on LinkedIn afterwards. Just a little note. Hi, it's great. It was great to meet you at the whatever event last week. Everybody do that. And then, you know, start to, you know, start to put it out there that you're, this is your position now and ask, you can ask for something, you know, so ask for, Oh, I saw you're connected with, you know, I saw you connected with Jane Foray. Um, I would really like to um, join that organization. Would you be able to set up a meeting or would you be able to connect us or something in some way? Because the s- more senior you are, the, the job market is like an iceberg. So you only see the top third of it. So all that stuff on Indeed and LinkedIn job sites and things like that, there's two thirds of the job market is hidden. You will never see it because people will be recommending the people that they know from their little black book. So your job is to make sure that you're in someone's black book. Once you know, in, and it's this seven degrees of separation or the power of le- we- the power of weak ties, I call it. You never know who knows who knows who knows who knows who. Knows who right? It could be. Um, you know I've gotten clients from people that I used to work with and we we met at an ex-colleague's funeral and we were chatting and she was like oh my colleague needs you it's like I wasn't pitching for business at a funeral but she had seen a lot of my stuff on LinkedIn and on Facebook and so she was asking me about that so it's you've got to start putting your stuff out there as well so there's it's almost like there's not one silver bullet in terms of networking it's start to make deposits in in other people's bank accounts get clear on what you're asking people to do like do you want to connect whatever um and then you know just think about what can you do for someone else and get clear on what you know this is where your target market stuff comes into play it's like what Telling somebody, oh, I'm looking for an HR role in, I don't really mind where. Whereas if you say, I'm looking for an HR role, I'm really keen on working with a startup based in central London that's in the finance sector. That's so much easier for the person you're talking to to go, oh, oh my God, I know somebody at my golf club who is, you know, just started doing such and such. And, And that's that power of weak ties. But the clearer you can be, the easier it is for your network to help you.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I, you know, Jane, I'll pick you back off of that. I heard this from one of my good friends. They always said to tell everybody your dreams because you never know who will hear what you have to say. And they can be that key to open that door to you making that next connection. So I'm glad that that you reinforced that because I, I think oftentimes we go in to networking with what I call pinning the tail on the front of the donkey instead of on the back. (laughs) Because we're conditioned to think that what's in it for me instead of how can I really help this person elevate, get to where they need to go, which will also in turn help me as well on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Jane, I got to ask this. I mean, obviously, you're a networker you you coach all these different people to help them land in the seats of opportunity that they want to be in and so how do you jane find the balance between your passions and prioritizing your mental well-being
0: so i'm i follow the gtd methodology it's it's the getting things done the the subline is the the art of stress free productivity. So I have quite clear boundaries in terms of when I'm at work, when I'm on social media, you know, when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at an event, I'm at an event. When I'm sitting on the sofa, binge watching Netflix, I'm all in on that. So it just helps me to set boundaries. And I'm I'm somebody that likes to kind of compartmentalize stuff. So it's, you know, I, I have various things like a default diary, you know, where I, you know, will, um, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, I will go through the podcast matching sites because I love being a guest on podcasts. I just love it. So it's, it's, you know, I have a day where I work on my YouTube channel. So I, I am not available to everybody at all, all of the time. Um, I turn all notifications off, um, unless I'm waiting for something. So, um, so I have, all my clients I, I talk to through Voxer. So that's the only thing that kind of pings on my phone. Uh, if I'm having my lunchroom out on a walk, I'll turn them on. So we just had a little conversation beforehand, but usually everything is turned off, you know, and it's, and I'm fully focused on the task in hand. I'm not trying to do 10 things at once. That's just a disaster waiting to happen.
1: Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. If you have 10 things on the priority list, what really takes priority <laughs> nothing
0: <laughs> there isn't a priority and it's it's the Greg McEwen talks about this in his book essentialism he talked the word priority was singular until like the 1970s it that's when it became pluralized and it and I think back to my corporate days And it's like here's our 10 corporate priorities it's like well which one's number one <laughs> it's just like it's crazy
1: I think that word no pun intended like became plural probably when the person who wrote that book had a family that's what I really think but that's that's just my digression in that arena (laughs) Jane you know this has definitely been a fantastic conversation I thank you so much for coming on and sharing so much with our listeners to help them excel, whether in their personal life or professional development. And so Jane, I always love to say this question for last. You've left us with no pun intended, a lot of food for thought, how to not become (laughs) the Karen from finance. What (laughs) words of inspiration, Jane, can you leave with our listeners today? Whether it's someone who was once in your shoes, who were, who after several years of being with the company of their dreams. Now they're in this limbo period and they're trying to figure out their next endeavor. Or if it's someone who wants to learn to utilize their networking skills to really maximize their own personal professional growth. What words of inspiration, Jane, can you leave with our listeners today?
0: I think it's just to really take this as an opportunity to you can't change what's happened, but you can change what is going to happen. So this, you know, you're, you're in the situation that you're in that, you know, you have no control over that. You do have control over the next bit. So just try and get us clear on the next steps as soon as you can. And the quicker you can do that, the quicker you will move on.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, because oftentimes we dwell On the woulda, coulda, shoulda, which Mm -hmm. my coaches always tell me don't should (laughs) on yourself. I I hear that a lot. And we do, instead of taking a moment, cry it out, boohoo, mourn. That's fine. We're allowed to mourn. And then taking time to reflect, okay, this door closed, but look at all the other ones that are open. Taking that moment to look up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because what happens is, you know, you, you leave a job, like, well, you know, you get laid off, you get ma- your role becomes redundant. You walk out of that door with all of your skills, experience and capabilities. Nobody can take that away from you. You don't leave that in the business. You take that with you. So all of that is coming with you to, to help you build the next step. Yes, a hundred percent. 100%. Remember,
1: skills are transferable everybody, not just in the corporate space, but you can incorporate them into your personal life as well. Well, everybody, that was Jane Ferrey that you heard from. And that concludes another episode of Group Porsche everybody. Thanks for listening and have a good evening. <laughs>